this is Fiona Cuthbertson coming for the pod to record another episode of Off the Cuth. Today we are lucky enough to have Councillor Stephen Alimbritis. Stephen was Head of Public Affairs at the Federation of Small Businesses for over 20 years, helping them to represent their members at all levels. This included taking on big companies like WorldCom, who were holding back payments to small businesses, which adversely affected FSB members. As leader of Merton Council for a record-breaking 10 years, he led the campaign to save St Helier, delivered a special school and led the council to be named Best Achieving Council in 2013. As the current Cabinet Member for Transport, he's been working towards separate access in local stations, as well as encouraging sales of electric vehicles in Merton and investing in new charging points. Welcome, Stephen. Hello, Fiona. It's lovely to have you here. So, firstly, can you tell us a bit about your political journey and what led you to go into politics? It goes back to when I was a kid. Back in 1964, mum and dad decided to come over from Cyprus to England, to London, to Fulham. And I picked up the language very quickly at primary school. And therefore, I used to be asked by mum and dad to watch the news and translate the news for them. And then uh, started working in public affairs in Westminster. So in 1990, I got the bug and I joined the Labour Party. And then working with small businesses in and out of parliament giving evidence to select committees, tabling amendments and conferences and writing to MPs. And I really enjoyed political lobbying at that time and stayed with me ever since. And as a local councillor, your constituents can raise a huge number of issues with you. So what comes up most often? With residents in local government, it's what's outside their front door. That's what people really, really care about with regard to local services. It's what they pay their council tax for. First and foremost, the rubbish, is that being collected well? Is there recycling? Is the recycling respected when they've recycled? Are the pavements okay? The verges, if they're grass verges, trees are very important to people. So initially, the first, uh, the most important items are what's outside my road? What's the street scene like? And then it starts to be about the town centre. Are the shops vibrant? Can I get there easily? Then it becomes transport buses in particular. And as I said in my introduction, you were leader of Merton Council for 10 years. And what was your biggest achievement in that role? I think the biggest achievement was staying leader for 10 years, first and foremost. I think that that was very pleasing to me. And staying 10 years and not being challenged internally, because I would have been uncomfortable if a colleague of mine had challenged me, although it's democracy and they're allowed to. But I think that by speaking to people, engaging with them, changing your cabinet, including people, including experienced people first, and then bringing on the youngsters, Biggest achievement, I think, within that was freezing the council tax for six years. This was the years 2010 to 2020, the years of austerity. And I was really pleased as a Labour leader to show that we knew what was pinching people. And and so we felt that we could help people by managing our finances well, as well as that achievement that you referred to, which is the Municipal Journal, a very respected journal in local government that named us in 2013 as the best achieving council. And the reasons really pleasing to me and to the officers here and to all the councillors, certainly on my side, and that was because we had good managerial and political leadership. That's crucial in local government. You can have a local authority that's member-led, that is all about politicians getting their way, or you can have a council where it's officer-led, where the the chief executive, the officers, the directors are strong and just do what they feel is important rather than what the manifesto of the ruling parties. So a good leadership, managerial and political, I, I was very pleased with that. And obviously at the moment you are currently Cabinet Member for Transport, so what are you dealing with there at the moment? 
Well, the most important issue is electric vehicle charging points, both rapid, that's on land columns in our streets where there's very little in the way of off-street parking, and also the issue of seeing if the forecourt stations will go electric vehicle charging as well, encouraging people to come off their cars, to cycle, to walk, to work. And the other big issue is buses. I think we're really lucky in London to have great bus service and but people still talk about frequency, where the bus standing is, where the bus stops are. And the other big issue at the moment is something that's really, really positive. That's dockless bikes, uh, whether it's with forest bikes or with uh, line bikes. But it comes with its problem, and that's people seeing those bikes badly parked. So that's a, a big issue for us. Brings a quandary. I, we want people to cycle, but some of the parking is a lot to be desired. It may be pushed by someone else, but nevertheless, we're working with the providers to address that. We're lucky in, in here because we've got most modes of transport. I was going to say there is a campaign to make transport seamless and Wimbledon is multimodal with train, tube and tram. So how are you working with subnational bodies across the country to help roll seamless transport out beyond Merton? Yes, and you're quite right, Fiona, because Wimbledon is the only station in London with tram, tube, rail and buses outside. And so we're very proud of that. But I was, as well as being leader of the council for 10 years, I was also the chair of the South London Partnership. So the Mayor of London encourages local authorities to group together as sub-regions. So that was Merton, Sutton, Richmond, Kingston and Croydon. And that was all about infrastructure. That was all about transport. So I would encourage local authorities to group with each other and to put in bids to improve their infrastructure, but also their transport capacity. So at the moment, we're talking to TfL about having seamless transport from Surrey, from Guildford, through to our tube stations. The other issue I support is Sutton Council in, because they don't have a tube, is to see whether we can extend the tube or have a tram from Sutton down to South Wimbledon tube station. So a lot more work to be done there, but I still think buses hold the key. It's a beautiful sight, those red buses. When there's a red bus, you know you're living in London. It's a tourist attraction. I think the 93 comes every eight minutes, goes from Cheam right through to Putney Bridge, very close to Fulham Football Club, which is really convenient for me as a fan there. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> and if you were Secretary of State for Transport, what would be the first thing you would do? Buses in, in rural areas. We get blasé about our transportability, more than tube stations, 35 minutes here in the city. If you're in Wimbledon, you've got the South Coast, Brighton, less than an hour. You've got the city again. You could get on the district line. You can get on the tram to Sutton, to Croydon. But I do feel for our rural areas. And when people say to me that it's one bus every hour. So the Secretary of State for Transport, obviously I'd be responsible for the whole country. I'd do all I can to make sure our rural areas are not left out. And I think the only solution there is the bus service. And that would obviously mean working cross-party, which we know is key to getting change. So what would you say has been the best example of this happening under your watch? The best example is also one of my proudest achievements, uh, not just me, the team, and also because it's all party, all councillors. So as you know, Wimbledon Football Club was kicked out of the league in 2000, around then. They were kicked out as a franchise to Milton Keynes and became MK Dons. And then we were approached by the newly formed AFC Wimbledon, the original club, met on Wimbledon Common, 
started all over again, worked up the tiers, came back into the league. They wanted to play in Wimbledon, in Merton. And the first thing that I thought was important that I was advised on by Sir Steve Bullock, he was my mentor, that used to be leader, mayor of Lewisham. There are some issues where you do need all party support, just makes it easier. And I remembered what he said. So there was a motion amongst all the parties here in Merton to facilitate the return of AFC Wimbledon to Merton. And that was an all party motion at full council. It didn't say where, that's up to planning. That's not for all the parties here saying we want Wimbledon back and this is where they're going to go. We can't dictate like that. But we can say the political will of all the parties here in Merton is that the club returns to Merton. Where they go is for negotiation with planners and with their developer and with where they want to be. And so that was my proudest achievement. And that facilitated the return, the comfortable return of a fan-owned football club kicked out of the league, back in the league, not just back in the league, back to Wimbledon, not just back to Wimbledon, back to Plough Lane, where they used to be. And that all goes back to that all-party support and the motion back in the day. That's an impressive story. And what other tools do you think are indispensable if you're to succeed in politics? So when I was at the Federation of Small Businesses, we had the the good luck to be engaged with a former speaker, Jack Weatherall, Bernard Weatherall, former speaker of the House. He was a Savoy Guild tailor. He was a, an SME. And when he was ennobled and promoted to the House of Lords, as most speakers are, he turned to the FSB to help him with his speech. He wanted some facts and figures, not that we were going to teach him how to speak, but he just wanted some up-to-date figures on the size of small businesses, the numbers of small businesses, their contribution to employment, their contribution to the country's productivity. So that then we engaged with him, not just me, my researcher as well, Fiona Ship, we engaged with him in two or three meetings in the Lords and he came to our offices. And I asked him that very question and he said, Stephen, if you want to be good at politics, get to be known for two or three things. Don't be everything to everyone. Make sure people in the council or people in the commons or people in the constituency know you as as an all-rounder, of course, as as being able to discuss most issues, but know you for one or two things that you're strong on, specialism, rather like the medical profession. So that's why I'm known for my business background and for my affinity to small businesses. And the other one is equalities, where I was able to be a commissioner at the Equality and Human Rights Commission, work with the Disability Rights Commission. And so that's the two things I'm getting to be known on, as well as now local government. And what's the hardest challenge you've had to overcome? I think the, the council tax freeze was a tough one. It was for six years. I committed to four years back in 2010. And in 2014, along with my cabinet, I committed to another four years. But in 2016, times were really tough. We needed money. The base of the council tax was lowering because we weren't increasing it. And I came under immense pressure from my own side as to whether we could afford another two years, 2016 to 2018, of a council tax freeze. We came to a compromise that we would put it to the people. We'd have a consultation as to whether there would be another council tax freeze or whether we go back to what the government suggested increases. That was tough because I had promised in 2014 another four years and and I was put under pressure, quite rightly so, times were tough. But I think that there was a compromise in the end. I think everyone agreed we'd done really well to freeze for six years. 
but that was tough. That that was really tough. Negotiating with your own side, wanting to help those who didn't have much in the way of money because the council tax is regressive, it hits the poorest most, but also wanted to help my councillors and residents who wanted us to provide social services and youth clubs and wanted a bit more money in the box. And you talk about engagement with your local constituents. What do you think is a common myth that people often have about being a politician? I think the most common myth is especially those that, you know, go one term, two terms, three terms. I did three local election wins and you have MPs who have been MPs for many years. And we're somehow in it for ourselves. I think that's the most common criticism or myth. I, I see very few MPs, very few councillors who are in this for themselves. We have a gene, I believe, within us that was to help. I used to run the tuck shop at school. I used to help with editing the local newspaper at Elliot School, a huge comprehensive with the newspaper being called Comprehensive News, which I thought was very apt. I used to be a football referee. I used to run a youth club. I used to run a small football club. And a lot of councillors that I see or people who come to me and say they want to be a councillor, they're already school government. They're already volunteering in a charity. And so that's the big myth is that we're somehow in it for ourselves. Most politicians, the vast majority, from the prime minister down to a councillor who's just started, just won a by-election, say, last week or the week before, I think want to do it to make a difference and to be in a position to help. So talking about the fact that you and other people who are politicians want to help, obviously we are going to have an election this year. Are you planning on standing for Parliament? I'm close to being a candidate in years gone by, in 97-01, so Brighton, Kemptown, Wimbledon, places like that. I love Brighton. But it hasn't happened. I, I don't regret it. I don't resent it. Gave me 10 good years as a leader of a council. In fact, council leaders uh, take decisions that are pertinent, relevant, and actually you can see things happen as a result of being a council leader or, or a councillor. So I'm pretty happy with the way things have panned out. But I've always been someone who worked in public affairs, in lobbying, and in and out of the commons and in and out of the lords and, and helping with legislation, regulations, giving evidence to select committees and so on. Yeah, I've always thought it'd be nice. We may still be in that position, but but I'm pretty chuffed with the way things have turned out so far. And what values have you based your political career on so far? What's important to you? One is, a, is, is, is an efficiency value. I think that's important. That's still a value, but getting things done, making it happen, not just talking about something. It's wrapped up in being business-like, but also equalities and fairness. So uh, that's why I became involved in the Disability Rights Commission to make sure that disabled people, 12 million disabled people in the UK, get access to goods and services, get into jobs, stay in jobs and get up and get promoted in jobs. And then when, when I became a commissioner on the Equality and Human Rights Commission with Trevor Phillips, that was about the Equality Act of 2010 and making sure the public sector and the private sector we're at one with fairness and opportunity. So two values, getting things done, making it happen for people and qualities and fairness. And the Conservatives have been in power nationally since 2010. And do you think this would change after the next election? It looks like it. I do believe in change. We all believe in change. And it happened to Labour, 97 to 2010. I think it's going to happen to the Conservative Party, 2010 to 2024. Quite a stretch virtually 15 years and people tend to want to look at other avenues 
And yes, I do believe there, that there will be a change and that we will get a Labour government. And there will be many in the Conservative Party who probably feel a stretching opposition just to re-energise them, refine themselves away from the hard right, deal with the Farage uh, issue, dancing with Farage is no good, just refine themselves as that lovely party. Years gone by, I'm Labour, but I want to say this, uh, Kenneth Clark, Michael Heseltine, One Nation Tories, the Conservatives need to refine and that, and it may be changed, will be good for them. But I think a Labour government will be good for the country as well. What do you think is going to be the best thing about a Labour government coming in? Labour have now got some good business policies. I think Labour have an eye to the NHS. It was a Labour government that founded the NHS. So the NHS is really, really important. And I think a Labour government will be good for the NHS. It affects every single one of us. If you look at anything, education is crucial. It affects school children. It affects parents. It affects teachers. It affects the future of the country. But at any one time, it may be that education is not important. You're at work. You haven't got children at school. No one's at university within your confines. And therefore, education takes still important. But the NHS, you don't know when you're going to need it. And so yeah, Labour will be good for the country because of Labour's love affair with the NHS. And obviously, there is a lot of noise now with 24-hour news, so subjects can be done to death and others missed. So what do you think is an important focus for the next election, maybe that isn't actually getting the consideration it should? Getting trust back in politicians, I think that's really, really important. The fee scandal was awful for everyone, expenses, and then you have all these cash for honours and this gate and that gate. So I think the important issue is that there's choice. Labour, Conservative, Liberal Democrat, the Greens are there as well. People will look at manifestos. And I think the most important thing will be about democracy at play. I think that's always exciting and that we don't have the same prime minister, the same leaders year in, year out. And I think three election wins is about right. I think Tony Blair had three election wins. I know the Conservatives changed prime minister quite a lot. But three election wins, you're getting to where you want to make things happen and you may have made them happen and people want to move on. So elections are not about what happened in the past. It's who is going to give me a better future. And so that that's the fascinating thing is, so what have the other side got to offer? And that's going to be interesting. You talk about political cycles. What do you think the world will look like in five years' time? I have a huge trust in our students, university students. I think they dislike conflict. They're learned. They, they're fully aware. So I think the current conflicts going on hopefully will go away and that their new, a new generation in five years' time of discussion, negotiation and compromise that will move away from populism, from conflict, from being rude to each other and the governments and young people we join their custom, their money from places like Twitter and Facebook, and, and that we use those more positively. So I have I've great faith in the next generation and with, that within five years, we won't be as angry with each other as, as we seem to be today. And finally, where can people go to learn more about you and keep up with your news? Well, if, if you put my name in, uh, Stephen Allen Breeders on Google, so I've got a Twitter, a Facebook account. And on my Twitter account is a, is a website that talks about my background coming from Cyprus, my education, my work at the FSB, and then with the local authority 
and, and the achievements. Yeah, I used to do quite a bit of TV with uh, Federation of Small Businesses, so you may get some shots of a younger Stephen there. But it is also about the people around me, my family, and also the wonderful councillors here at the London Borough Merton and the wonderful members of the Federation of Small Businesses who gave me so many insights into what it's like to run a small business. So it's all there. It's all on Google. If you put in my name, I don't think there are many people with a surname Alan Brittis. In fact, I've counted the numbers. It's about 20 people living in this country with that surname. Stephen, thank you so much for coming to talk to us today. It has been most interesting to hear about your journey and your thoughts on the values government needs to do right by the electorate. And thank you to you, the listeners, who've hopefully enjoyed the show as much as we've enjoyed making it. If you have any questions regarding the podcast today, please feel free to comment. If you think it's worth coming back, please like and subscribe. If you feel that you need something to tide you over to the next podcast, please buy my book Party Games on Amazon. And on that note, I'll see you next time. Have a good week, one and all.